All right, this is the Coast to Coast Combat Hour. As always, Ed Carbajal here with Matthew Hawkins. Uh, real quick uh, housekeeping announcement before we get going and introduce our guests. Uh, this show is brought to you by All Access MMA. Uh, they've uh, become a supporter of the podcast, so they'll be featuring our podcast on their site uh, in the future. So make sure you check out All Access MMA over at the, uh, the link below. Um, this week, we're joined by one of my favorite MMA media people, Nolan, the Krispy Kreme Killer King. What's up, <laughs> Nolan? You look like a uh, undercover detective with your with your mustache and stuff. Yeah, man, I'm, that's what I'm trying. I see uh, we all kind of have disguises on here. You've got the uh, you know the <laughs> hair flowing out there. We got Matt with the beard, and uh, yeah, I had to go incognito too. <laughs> nice with your uh, with your nickname there. We're gonna have to uh, pay uh, pay Buffer to do one of those. Videos where you know he introduces you for the show, right? uh... (laughs) So, uh, how how have you survived the uh, quarantine? We haven't talked to you uh, in this. I don't think we've talked to you in 2020 yet. Uh, What's it been like, uh, other than the lack of uh, lack of action to recover? Yeah, I mean it's been interesting. I think like everyone, uh, it's been a a process that we need to adjust on the fly. We've had to, uh, you know, me personally, I've had to to kind of think outside the box and, and try new things. And for better or worse, we've, we've had to, to move outside our comfort zones. You know, I'm doing uh, a lot more stuff on camera for junkie now on, on Streamyard, which we're using right here, um, which is a, a kind of a new skill. It's been fun to, to learn that type of stuff. Uh, obviously the bads come with it too. Um, you know, like we've talked to, I talked to you guys off air. We, we, you know, connect our parent companies having uh, furloughs. So, once a month, uh, once every four weeks, I have a week off where I can't have any communications with my coworkers. I've got to kind of do my own thing, kind of go rogue for a week. And then I go back to normal, like, you know, on Sunday, I'll be back. So it's 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 a lot better. You know, I feel lucky that it's, it hasn't been worse on us, um, but it's definitely been an adjustment process uh, through and through, no doubt. Yeah, man. I mean, it's definitely been uh, uh, talking about adjustment. I mean, uh uh, so I know we were texting earlier today and, and, and uh, we were kind of like you were already when this whole thing started with the pandemic and sports getting put on hold and everything literally in that week. I mean, I, I was uh, we were we were supposed to meet up over at. Oh, he just disappeared. He'll be back. Yep. But, lost, <laughs> lost Nolan there for a second. But, uh, but uh, so Nolan and I, you know, we were supposed to meet up at Mohegan Sun and uh I uh I was in New York City. He was he was already at um he was already at uh Mohegan Sun. Uh uh no one's back. I just I'm just telling the story how you were already there doing the 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 interviews that week and I was at the media event for Bellator that Monday in New York and we were kind of keeping in touch. I was with Gareth Davies uh, and everybody was all looking forward to fight week. I mean, that was on Monday, then come that that Friday the 13th when that event was supposed to happen, we had the rug pulled out from un- underneath us, man. So I know from my end, I mean, Matt knows everything because I was messaging him constantly. And I know I messaged you constantly how I got the rug pulled. I actually still, Hotels.com still owes me money for my stay because <laughs> they never really responded to anyone if you look at their social profiles. But, I mean, uh, you still, you and uh, you and uh, Matt over from Junkie, you guys got uh, were still able to get some interviews and stuff. But... How was it for you? Because I know you were kind of like, kind of like in the dark up until the last minute too, right? 
Yeah, it was crazy, man. It's, uh, you know, at the time it sucked and like going all the way there and doing all the stuff and then being in limbo and then there's no audience and then, oh, maybe, you know, there'll still be a couple media people and then there's going to be no media people. And then there's maybe going to be media people again, just talking to Bellator all that week. It was, it was confusing. It was difficult. Uh, but it's something reflecting on it. I think it will be a very unique, uh, experience to have, have been a part of it, You know, it, I was actually talking to somebody about this the other day and it, it's, it was like something out of a monster movie, you know, when the apocalypse is coming and yeah. I'm sitting in a bar with another writer there and, and we're sitting on all of a sudden the NBA players walk off the floor, you know, you know <laughs> oh, the NBA's canceled and just going through this whole thing. And I went and just hung out in my hotel room by myself for like 12 hours, didn't leave, just kind of hung out and ended up going to the, you know, the hotel restaurant. Cause I, I mean, at the time it was even scarier than it is now. We really didn't know yeah. what the hell was going on. So to go through that whole thing and have it end with, uh, you know, a cancellation on the day of the fights a couple hours before, um, was weird, man. You know, I, after that, we ended up Matt and myself, uh, Matt and, and I ended up interviewing Scott Coker, um, doing a little interview with him and, and, and Starbucks and, I'll never forget, you know, Donald Trump comes on the TV in the background and we're, we're all just watching, uh, you know, him announce a national emergency and everything. So from from a historical perspective, you know, I'll be able to tell my kids and and, and yeah. other people down the line of like this weird scenario, you know, being in a casino and, and, and having to go through this fight week that eventually was for not. Yeah, uh, man, it, it was crazy. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Matt. No, I was just going to say that, I mean, you guys were there covering that. I see, is that a Boston, you got a Boston Bruins thing in your background. The last sport I follow is hockey, but on the, I think it was the 13th, whatever, the Wednesday of that week, I got invited to uh, a Kings game uh, in a box. And I actually ended up going to the last, uh, it was the last sporting event in Northern, Northern, North America um, and almost in the world other than that, uh, that K1 event, like the next weekend happened in, in Japan. Uh, with a crowd, but uh, no, I try to get for going to hockey, and then it comes out that the Ottawa Senators are the only players that are testing positive. That's who they <laughs> happened to. That's who they were playing. So uh, it, it was funny how that turned out. Not to not to um, not to get too much into your, the business there, but when you talk about furloughs, you mentioned that you, you you're off a week a month and you can't talk to your fellow employee. Is that like a rule, or is it? I mean, I, I don't want to get too deep into it, but no, that, that was surprising fine. to me. Uh, you you can't you can't help them out or so 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 I can talk to like they let us have our social media because it's considered to be our own brand. You know, it's our own. They MMA Junkie doesn't own my Twitter account. I do, so I can do anything that doesn't um, do work for the site. So in terms of breaking news, I can't communicate with my coworkers. Hey, I'm hearing this. I'm hearing that. In oh, terms wow. of interviews, I can't be doing interviews this week. And then just when I sign on on Sunday, write them all up and, and have somebody, you know, do the video and stuff. Mm. So I, I think it's more of just a protection for them, like so that they couldn't theoretically say, we're not going to pay you for this week and then put pressure on me to work because yeah. I can turn around and sue them. So I think that that's where it's really strict on their edge, where it's been tough for a lot of us. I think that's been the biggest thing is like, we're so used to being plugged in and going, going, going and talking to everyone and everything. Yeah. But uh, it's just, you know, for the week, I just have to be like, Hey, you know, I could, I could, I could talk to, 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 you know, Kenny and John still have their podcast. They're able to talk fights like fans and do things like that. But, you know, Kenny can't help him produce the interviews that he does the week that, you know, if they're off and on different weeks. So that's really what it is. It's a protection, I think, more for the company than it is for, you know, for us to, to not have the communication. 
Yeah, I mean that's got to be uh, not for nothing. That's uh, that's kind of a detriment to them because the way you the way you've turned out. Uh, I mean, you've been breaking news since before you're even with them, uh, like from the days with Flo and whomever. So, um, I mean, I'm not gonna put you on a spot and try to get you to break anything now. I mean, I, I kind of just wanted to catch up with you because, uh, I mean, you've been hustling since this this thing started. I think a lot of us have been trying to hustle from home, uh, especially when there was nothing going on for that for those first few weeks. Um, I know you did. Yeah. Uh, you you tried doing the Periscope thing. I thought that went well. Even though me and me and guys like Keith Schilling, uh shout out to Keith Schillen over at Sure Dog and uh, and his podcast. But you know, we, we even though we tried to break your balls a little bit during your, your Periscope, but I mean, uh, you're uh you're definitely a uh, I don't know. You you went to school for what again? Because you, you it's like you're a broadcast guy, but naturally, yeah. not, not um, <laughs> Yeah, I went for biomedical science, so essentially a, like a pre-physician's assistant program. So nothing to do with MMA, kind of on the opposite end. Instead of, of uh, trying to help people, you know, save their health, I'm now watching people punch each other in the head. So um, it's been weird, man. It's been a weird ride. But like you said, it, it, it's been nice to see during this whole thing, everybody try to get creative and, and make the best out of it. And I think there will be things that, that don't go back to normal ever. You know, I think there's been yeah. change for the better. I think look at StreamYard. I mean, it's a great thing. You guys, I know, were one of the first people I saw use it. I think maybe the first. And now it's become a staple of MMA Junkie, and it's something we'll stick with. Uh, it's made it better. Now we'll have a video element for all of our interviews, you know, whether they're uh, feature, you know, longer feature or just a catch up with the fighter. You know, we'll always have that video component, which is which is big for us. So but th- there's, there's going to be good that comes out of this one way or another. During your, your time off, you've, you've kept in contact, obviously, with, with all your contacts for the most part, I would assume what's been the overall, uh, what, what are the reactions of the fighters been, um, from the different organizations? Are you getting, uh, are some people, you know, I mean, imagine the fighters, they want to keep fighting, but are you getting any of the people that are kind of happy to have some time off? Um, maybe that to get healthy. I mean, what's been the overall vibe that you've gotten from the MMA world? Yeah, I think for the most part, you know, at this point, fighters are, are comfortable with fighting in terms of their health and stuff. I think, uh, the first few weeks there was like I saw like everybody everybody's very leery and and don't know you know is 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 fighting going too far am I going to contract something and you know poison everyone in my life um, but I think at this point really the the main concerns I th- th- for the fighters are that that, that don't want to fight or are hesitant to fight is more so the uh, the imp- the uh, you know, the other things that come out of the pandemic so limited training facility limited amount of time for a fight um, you know, not getting, taking a, taking a tough fight on 10 days notice after they just fought, like wanting a pay raise, you know, things like, it's more of like not having an ideal circumstance to fight rather than, you know, Oh, I want to stay back and wait till this whole thing's over. Sure. There's, there's certain fighters. Like I talked to, uh, I did an interview with Randy Brown recently. He's in New York. He had to take like a few months off because it was just impossible for him to, to try to, to train and stuff like just wasn't going to happen. So mm-hmm there's been obstructions in that regard and I think it's been difficult, but overall uh, a lot of these guys are, are itching to go and, and I don't want to speak for everyone, but I think more, more than not, I've heard like guys willing to, 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 to jump through those hoops and try to stay active and get fights. Yeah. I, um, I, I, I've noticed the same thing and the few interviews I, I mean, I did more interviews those first few weeks of the pandemic because just cause I knew fighters would be available with everything not, ha- you know, going on, but um, I, I've, I've, I, I want to say I've seen more folks willing to fight with faster turnovers than, than ever before. 
But uh, one thing I wanted to ask you was, I mean, me and Matt talked about this on a couple of, of our past episodes. Do you think that, I mean, if, if the case with uh, Justin Gaethje and Tony Ferguson, for example, do you think like fights, we're going to see more fights that are just spun out of randomness and and simpler logistics? Like we're going to see other uh, matches we thought we'd never see get made easier if if it's just because they have these, you know, fight, fighter A and fighter B willing to say yes and they can get there? I think so. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, I think that that's been a big problem for the UFC is a lot of these, you know, I don't envy the matchmakers ever, really. I think they have a tougher job that's stressful than people sort of sort of think that they do. Um, I'm sure there's aspects of it that are really fun. And obviously designing a whole sports lineup is pretty cool. On the other hand, like in a situation like this where I mean, they were, it wasn't like, oh, there's a couple of fights we need to fill in in a couple of weeks. They were making entire cards on like 12 days notice and having to figure out, you know, uh, who goes where and what weight class and everything. And originally Dana was really against the catch weights and we've started to see those all of a sudden pop up. And I think a big part of it is like, mm-hmm. they just need bodies. They need to put bodies in fights. And uh, we've seen some last minute newcomers step in. We've seen uh, you know, the last card, Christian Aguilera and Anthony Ivy, those were both two new guys that were signed on a week notice. So it, it's been tough, man, to, to make those lineups. And I think that the UFC is a lot more willing to, to kind of venture outside of the, the box of like, these are the, you know, these are the two fighters that should fight Tim Elliott next. Or these are the three guys that we could have fight, you know, um, I don't know, anybody, Glover Teixeira next. Like they're going to they're going to look at all their options and just take who they can get. And hopefully that the matchups, you know, make sense still, but I think they're open to everything. Yeah. It seems like we're going to get some mix and match. The thing I brought up last week that confused me was we have the fight Island situation, uh, going, taking place in, uh, oh, yeah. uh the middle East there. And then, uh, and then we basically have the Vegas home, uh, apex center. Yeah. Uh, it, it, and I don't know if it's ever been brought up, uh, by anybody in the upper media world where you where you live but um like the idea of having like gilbert burns and usman two americans or or, or two you know people that live in the united states travel to uh abu dhabi doesn't make sense to me um i we talked about how okay if you have like a holloway volkanovsky situation you you, you kind of meet in the middle it's an international fight but when you've got two um, americans uh or you know anybody from the this side of the you know continent? Why would right. you uh, why would you be flying them all the way over there? Have you has that ever been brought up in, in anything you've heard about? So my understanding is I, I think for Fight Island now it's become kind of a has been brought you know a life of its own has been brought to it or it's taken on a life of its own. And I think with that fight in particular, um, I think a big part of it is that they just wanted to stack the shit out of the Fight Island pay per view, yeah. you know. Like, it's just a big marketing thing at this point. Like, no matter what, like, I've seen some people say, oh, you know, they don't even really need the island anymore because most of the travel restrictions have been lifted and most of the fires come, blah, blah, blah. But, like, Fight Island's a big branding thing for the UFC now. It's going to get people talking. The, The moment that Dana dropped that line on TMZ, people started chattering. So I think part of it was to try to keep that same feel of International Fight Week, you know, a big card, three title fights, et cetera, et cetera. I think that was a big part of it. Um, Usman had been targeted for July for, for quite some time. So I think it was more so just to add onto the card, kind of keep the champ, the division in the flow rather than push it off another month. But yeah, I totally get where you're coming from because it doesn't really fit the model that was, that was presented, so to speak, that these were the international guys that couldn't be fighting, you know, anywhere else. Yeah. I mean, um, 
that's uh, we actually talked about that i think last week matt and i and, and i mean one of the things like like so i know one of the current big topics in news lately has been uh fighter pay and and obviously the thing with Maz vidal and jones and all these people uh being uh, open about it i know other stories came out today that were published on uh, bj pen but um i mean i wonder if it's because i mean if you look at because one thing dana white said in these post-fight pressers is this has been expensive to do moving forward during the pandemic and, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And then to have infrastructure built at this, uh, you know, this, uh, I mean, it's really not an island, but I mean, I guess because it's called the Oz Island, whatever, um, you know, but to have all that done, the, 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 the 10 mile radius of their own space and, and, you know, X, Y, and Z of the, of that whole business, you know, if that costs so much money, I, I, I feel like it, we're seeing a lot of this because, you know, fighters are saying, well, you know, with no ticket revenue and stuff like that, you know, you seem to have money to spend on that. Why not just give us more money to fight at the apex or whatever, if you're going to keep moving forward? I mean, again, like, you know, I'm sitting here using StreamYard from a, from a half working laptop. So like, what do I know about money? But, you know, I, I just wonder if uh, that is something that you might have some thoughts about or an opinion on that you, that you think uh, I might be onto something. Yeah, no, that's that's a great point. And I think uh, it's kind of tough, right? Because I think it has opened people's eyes to how much fighters could get paid. You know, that the UFC is still surviving, spending all this money, putting on these shows. And obviously, they're not going to be doing this if they're if they're all the money's going down the toilet. So for them to be able to put on still a successful, uh, you know, company and events that 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 make profits on and makes revenue on these uh these fights makes you wonder how much they should be paying these guys in a normal situation i think the problem is however that we're not in a normal situation right now so where other sports might have to take pay cuts or discuss it like the ufc doesn't have to do that right now this i think in an ideal world this this idea from the fighters that you know that are complaining right now and saying hey we should get paid more this should come this this time period should be used as an example later on to make this argument. Mm-hmm. Um, it's tough because it is such a, an, an issue right now. It's being brought up in the forefront. You got champions who are angry. You got champions who are threatening to retire. At the same time, we are in a very difficult financial time. So it's it's sure you should have been getting paid more before, but you're also not getting a pay. Say that this is the the amount that would have been your pay cut. You know this yeah. is this is the amount if you got a pay cut before, like. Do you kind of get where I'm coming from? Like, you can't really yeah. ask for a raise right now. Like, that's that's. Yeah. How I think it's- but that's yeah. that's always been the the problem with the UFC is we don't really know their books. Like the other major sports, totally. we have a better idea of the numbers. So the you know we they Dana White can say you know well I'm not cutting anybody's pay, but there's pitchers in Major League Baseball who when they come back if they come back and play will make more in one start than an entire you know in one game played they'll make they'll make twice as much as an entire payroll. Totally. for a 24 fighter, um, you know, card. So it's, it can be played both ways. I have a theory that a lot of this John Jones, Masvidal, Cejudo, uh, McGregor stuff is, is kind of not, maybe not orchestrated, but in a sense kind of is to keep their names in the paper, keep them, you know, they either become loved or hated by the fans because they're either fighting with Dana White or standing up for what they believe. I don't believe that Dana White, UFC, McGregor, John Jones, any of these people want to fight in, in an empty arena. Heck, even Cejudo. Cejudo won in an empty arena. Maybe he retires, comes back in 
you know, nine months when we got crowds again. He's he's gained up the name now where all of a sudden he could sell pay-per-views, start looking to sell out an arena as a as a, a flyweight, bantamweight fighter. Um, I, I just don't I, – I mean, to me, if, if you were going to have McGregor fight, you would have done Fight Island. He'd be headlining Fight Island if you really yeah. wanted to – to go for it to me, I, I don't think there's, and I said at the beginning of this, I don't see any reason or any way that the UFC fights McGregor in an empty arena. And I might be proven wrong, but I I'm more likely to figure we see him in Masvidal like new year's Eve when Vegas backs off restrictions and we get, you know, and, and maybe we at least get 10,000 people in a 18,000 foot you know, a seat T-Mobile, something like that. I just don't, I'm just not seeing the, the UFC putting all their eggs in an empty Empty well, basket, I say. Well, one thing I, I wonder, uh, Nolan, is is uh, Matt just kind of mentioned it, and I'm piggybacking off of it. I wonder if trans uh, the transparency, at least with the fighters, is an issue because it's like maybe if if they sat down with these guys and said, "Listen, the reason why we can't give you money is because we're spending we're spending the money we're spending to move forward is the money to make sure that all you guys get to keep fighting." If you want to fight, uh, you know, because he keeps saying, you know, if they don't want to fight, they don't have to and things like that. Um, like, you know, like someone like Rose Namajunas is someone that I know she's supposed to be fighting, but she seems like she could change her mind at the last minute type of, you know, situation, too. So I, I just I just feel like like, you know, they have to plan for those contingencies financially to move forward. But um, I don't know, man. I mean, I I've, I just I feel like maybe there's. You know, I know. I mean, you and I have both been uh, in situations where communication ha- kind of ha- has uh, made made for bad business. But uh, I just wonder if that's what's happening over there. Yeah, it's an interesting point. Um, I think there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that we don't. It's tough because I I don't want to speculate, so yeah. to speak. Like, but I think there's a big part of it that that is kind of like what Matt touched on, where you know these fighters the UFC doesn't want to put them, have them fight if there's no live gate. Like that's just a massive loss for them to do that. And I, I, my guess is some of these fighters probably are like, I'll fight in an empty arena, but you know, I want to get paid a little more or whatever, you know? So mm-hmm. I'm sure that that's, there's a, there's butting of heads during that. And it will be, it'll be interesting though, because the UFC, a lot of the fighters, you know, most of them have it penciled in their contract that they have to be offered a certain amount of fights per year, blah, blah, blah. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, if these guys, when they're coming down to the wire at the end of the year, if they're like, shit, I need, you know, I I'd take a paycheck at this point and, and they'll take a fight, but there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. And like you said, communication yeah, probably in MMA is not always, does not always <laughs> hold up to standards of other yeah. businesses and stuff. So I don't know, man, it's, it's unpredictable. And uh, I think we're starting to kind of figure it out, but got a long way to go. Have you heard anything from Bellator's end? Last we heard about, you know, a month and a half ago, maybe two months ago, was uh, maybe a July start in, in like an empty studio, uh, CBS studio, like in in, in L.A. Um, but it seems like they've gone pretty much quiet uh, the last, you know, six weeks at least. Uh, have you yeah. heard anything from them? Um, nothing new. I'd, I'd heard like probably about three weeks ago from some fighters saying that Bellator had looked at like July 17th or July whatever the Friday is on that week, July 18th, July 17th. And, uh, but I haven't heard anything else since then. Um, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that's good or bad. I don't know if, uh, you know, I haven't heard that it's been pushed off, but I haven't heard that it's going to happen. So, I mean, we're only a month out from that. And, um, yeah, I have not heard anything beyond that, but 
I'll try to figure that out um, maybe when I hop back on next week. Yeah, I mean, it can't be good. Sil- silence yeah. is, is – is, we've seen MMA companies disappear uh, with, with lesser reason than a pandemic. Yeah, really? I mean uh, – What's your take on? Uh, I mean, uh, your opinion on the um, the whole the way that the Pro professional fighters league handled things. I mean, uh, I, I get why they why they're doing like just cancel the whole season and everything. But part of me, just because of how things kind of worked out with with people kind of coming back around. Well, I guess we're in mid June now, um, with things opening up in some places. But part of me was thinking like they still could have pulled off a season, but uh, I think it was. Uh, I think it was um what what's uh what's this guy's name that we had drinks with in Mohegan Sun that that you did the, the interview with Jason Floyd Oh yeah yep Jason. yeah yeah I think he and I were, were he he pointed out to me on Twitter how they were trying to do more of an international thing and that's kind of what messed up their plans so that makes sense to me for stopping the season but I feel like they could have just kind of, like Kayla Harrison was talking about you know looking at other options if she doesn't fight this year so I was yeah. just wondering uh, how you felt when you heard the news uh, of PFL canceling the season. Yeah, I mean, I think that they they did the right thing at the time. You know, mm-hmm. it just seemed like I get it. People were like, "Oh, you know, they only offered percentage of their fighters a, a monthly stipend or whatever." And I just think for for a company like that to even be able to to offer some money to their fighters, like we've seen MMA promotions do a lot less than offer their fighters money without fighting. So. I mean, I was okay with it. I kind of feel bad for some of these guys that, you know, locked in to, to go with PFL and go down that route and could have maybe gone to the UFC if they had hung around a little longer or grabbed a win or whatever. And now they're stuck there um, without being able to, to make a full living, you know, a living wage. So it's difficult there. But, um, you know, maybe maybe PFL can still throw together some type of shows, you know, just I don't know what the, the um, you know, I'm, I'm not great with the business side of things, but maybe some type of parking lot thing, just have a couple of cards like with the guys that are still on your roster. I'm sure a lot of them would, would take fights, but if it's not worth it money wise, like obviously they're not going to do that. So it's difficult. You know, I, I understand it's not an easy thing to get into the world of MMA and, and make a profitable promotion. So I, I kind of feel for them and I think they're doing the best they can. It's just an unfortunate shitty situation all around, you know? Yeah, I, I've definitely came to like, so I don't know if you, I mean, when you talk about places to train, and stuff like that. I mean, I, I, I know like Steve Miocic has probably been the most public about not being able to get in the gym, and that's what, what was a holdup with him accepting or signing anything to face Cormier, um, which it looks like they're doing in August. But like, uh, I mean, I, I, I Matt knows. I, I don't know if you know, but like my gym shut down uh, a couple weeks ago. So like, I mean, that, and it's weird because that kind of removed the fear of catching anything from me because i was so mad so now i'm training with dudes in an undisclosed location you know with a set number of guys i mean we're we, i mean you know less than 10 people in in a closed elf area or you got some mats right behind you uh i actually have my dirty geese oh, and rash guards behind okay. me so so but um yeah so i'm just wondering if, if like some of these guys that are training uh i think i was saying it to you matt like i think some of these guys are training like regularly and just keeping a real a really good secret about it to be able to compete the way that they do because when I got my first roll back after not training for four months I felt like I, I, I like I need to throw my black belt in the garbage you know what I mean so I don't know I mean I was just wondering if you had any thoughts on that or based on what we've seen because some of these guys I mean some of these guys are just uh, natural born killers I mean like someone like Gilbert Burns I mean 
who's uh, the pandemic champion as far as I'm concerned. You know what I mean? Like, like, yeah. like, like I, I think, do you think their location, like he's in Florida, is uh, going to be something that helps make future fights in the near future? Yeah, I, I think so for sure. I think, uh, you know, in terms of just think about it this way too, I think the guys that have lesser facilities or kind of have those makeshift gyms, like they're not necessarily a getting the proper preparation. Sure. Some of them are like, I know Calvin Cater was up literally like running in the snow and had like his coach had put weights in his garage and they were doing all sorts of stuff. And, you know, he went out there and, and, and got a big win against Jeremy Stevens on a pay-per-view. So it's not everybody. I'm not saying people can't manage to do well during this, but the ones that, that have the gym obviously have an advantage. And we've seen guys with these quick turnarounds getting hurt. You know, we've seen Kevin Holland was going to do a quick turnaround. He got hurt. Ian Heinish was going to do a quick turnaround. He got hurt. So I, I just think like training situations and the time is, is difficult. And I, I think the guys, again, the ones that train at these gyms, they're with training partners, they're, you know, doing all sorts of stuff on a day-to-day basis with high level uh, fellow high level practitioners. Like that's, that's going to be the guys that the UFC is a going to go towards and B that are going to accept the fight. And I've, I've even seen some, some fighters start to move, you know, Randy Costa is a guy from up my, my way up here. He's down in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt Frivola is from New York. He's down in Florida. Billy Quarantillo's from, you know, New York. He's down in Florida. So they've all kind of had a makeshift camp of, of the migrating people down South. So it's interesting, man. It's 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 proven to be a whole other side of this. It's tough going into any camp for fighters, but it's become even more challenging with all these little roadblocks and, mm-hmm. like I said earlier, hoops they have to jump through. Yeah, I know. I know some of the local guys here. Uh, you know, seem to be keeping busy at, at some of the yep. gym, kind of in a private, private setting during the whole time. Uh, you know, without a lot of the smaller time guys that aren't going to make a lot of waves uh, with news. But you know, you mentioned Cormier Steel. Uh, and uh, Miosic, uh, that's a fight I, I wouldn't have assumed would happen without a crowd. So I guess that's when it, it seems like a, I don't know, it, it seems a little anticlimactic to me. I mean, the fights are the fights, but maybe it's because, you know, I've said I, I love going to the live event, but uh, it, it just seems a tad anticlimactic. I mean, I can't imagine like Mike Tyson's run taking place in an empty yeah arena it just is there's something right. about it so i don't know i uh have you heard any rumblings or any ideas about any event even thinking about trying to have anything i mean a lot of it obviously is to states uh but you would think a place like florida or some of these places even if it's a hundred people in a crowd just to yeah. kind of get like a you know a bash on the beach kind of situation out in florida where you know <laughs> you're spread out but something's going on uh, any any rumblings of anything uh, up and down the, the chain so, you know, we've asked Dana, it's kind of become monotonous at some of these press conferences, uh, trying to get information about the pandemic or what's next or moving, you know, can the UFC go on the road, so to speak. And I, I thought Dana, the last card uh, after this this past card on Saturday, he, he kind of opened up on it a little bit more. And he said that he was open to looking into to having live crowds back and that he would be, you know, wherever allowed them to do it first, he would be the one there to do it. And blah, blah, blah. So, um, you know, I don't know. We'll see. He, he seemed like he wasn't, he said he wouldn't hold a, a, a show without being able to, to put on a full crowd. So if he sticks to that again, it's tough. So much shifts, you know, so many shifts in the, the, uh, the general flow of, of the MMA world. And especially with Dana, where he seems to change his mind quite a bit too. It's gonna be <laughs> difficult, man. Um, yeah. I think New Zealand had some type of rugby games going on. Um, recently with it with an actual stadium crowd so 
I don't know, maybe an Israel Adesanya fight could happen there or something. But uh, I think for now, I mean, I think August is pretty much all going to be Vegas. That The apex is kind of what I'm hearing, which is crazy. Like you said, Daniel Cormier is going to have his big retirement fight with no audience. So it's it's, it's a wild situation. And uh, I don't know, I guess September maybe we'll start having to reassess about where the UFC can go, where they can't. Can they go to Abu Dhabi like they were scheduled to do, like they're contractually obliged to do with an audience? Who knows? I, I just think through August they're pretty set with being at the apex at a minimum. What's your What's your guys' take on the uh, the apex cage and its size and, and pushing action? I mean, it, I feel like it, it. I mean, I feel like it is a thing because of the, the last the recent events that we saw. But Dana White called BS on that. You know, obviously because of some fights that weren't as uh, you know high action or back and forth. Um, I, I know Matt, you've watched enough uh, stuff, so I'm sure you're going to have an opinion on it. But Nolan, you go first. What, what's your take on the cage size and uh, fights happening at the Apex? Oh, I think it 100% impacts the action. I mean, contender series, like sure, part of the the reason the contender series fights I think are so exciting. Usually, you know, they, they hit people in the face. Wow, these are great things. Sure, there's some uh, some aspect that these guys are fresher and maybe they're not as sharp on the defensive side and. Dane is there and they have to go for the kill with the contract on the line, blah, blah, blah. But I think the cage definitely has a big part of it too. Um, you know, throwing, throwing two, think about it. If there were two, um, I don't know, I was going to try to make some, some uh, gladiator reference, but you know, <laughs> throwing two tigers in the cage or something, not that I'm like for animal, you know, animal fighting, but if the, the less room that these, these, these people have to maneuver and everything is going to create, you know, more, more butting ahead. So I think it's been great. I think it definitely has had an impact. And uh, I guess we'll have to see if, if Dana's calling BS is right with uh, with more of a sample size after a few, a few months of this. No, I mean, I think it's common sense. He's calling BS yeah. because he likes the big cage look inside the big arena for the TV broadcast, for the live look um, when you're in the arena. That's why he's doing it. He can put more ads in it. He's got 30% more room to put ads on the mat. Um, this is true. I mean, that's oh, yeah. that's what it is. I mean, it's common sense. And, uh, hardcore MMA fans have been calling for the smaller cage for at least 10, 15 years now. Um, WEC was known for it. Uh, go to a Gladiator Challenge, a KOTC event. I mean, there's a reason why, other than the talent level being less, there's a reason why if they put on 20 fights, nine of them end in under 30 seconds. Um you're you're forcing it you do you know you take soccer and you put soccer in an arena the scores go from two to one a game to seven to six a game Hmm. um you know you you do home run derby in an arena that's or in a baseball stadium that's 200 feet down left field you hit a lot more home runs i mean it's just it's the it's the the, it's common sense You, you like you said you 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 put two animals in a cage, the smaller the cage the more likely they are to to interact with each other so um i i think it's I think it's something that should be thought about, um, especially with the evolution of kind of the jog away. And I know that uh, I think kind of Caleb Starnes started that with uh, with Nate Quarry. That's kind of always the the joking uh, gif, you know, or the mem where he's, you know, Quarry's kind of mocking him for running away. But we've seen it with McGregor. We've seen it with and not to the extreme where they're running away for their guys, but kind of that reset. Uh, I feel like that smaller cage that you know, 30% less cage, you, you don't get that chance to reset as much. Uh, and, and I think it, you turn your back on somebody in a cage like that, they're five feet away from you instead of, you know, nine, 10 feet away from you. So, um, I, I, I love it. Um, uh, I, would be curious to see what it looks like in the middle of T-Mobile. There's that dropping off, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I just think it's common sense and, and, um, I mean, it's even kind of like a ring, uh, you know, the, the smaller you are, the, the more action we have and, and stuff like that. But uh, yeah. Yeah. So 1,000%. Yeah. Uh, 
what uh you know i was gonna we were gonna get some of this past weekend's action and, and it wasn't a big card it kind of this is the card i always imagined if he was going to take a fight to tachi palace that uh yep. this would have been the fight card that, that would have went there um but with that said uh Couple names on the card that jumped out at me uh, up towards the top, the co-main and the main event. Uh, Marvin Vittori, who, who's kind of came into this last fight known for pushing uh, Israel Adesanya <laughs> to his uh, breaking point, uh, to a sense. Um, a lot of people thought he won that fight. I've always kind of thought of him as a robotic fighter. I don't know if it's kind of his look, or he's kind of got the, you know, he's Italian, but he's kind of got the Eastern Bloc squared off you know, look. So I, I always kind of felt like he was a little too robotic, but um, he really impressed me. What, what's your take on him and, and where you see him uh, going in the near future? Yeah, I think he's come a long way. I think we saw that on, uh, on Saturday and obviously a frustrating few years for him. He had the USADA issue. He had a bunch of cancellations. He told us at the press conference uh, that he had cut weight around five times since his last fight, three of which were in camp or two of which were in for camps. And, and the other three were, for staying ready, you know, oh, stay ready. You might get a call, starts cutting weight, doesn't get it, you know. So it's been a frustrating uh, little stretch here for him. But I also see it as a, a potential window for improvement there. You know, he was able to uh, to really pro- to progress and, and hone his craft. And I thought he looked great on Saturday. He's really pairing everything together. He's not just a strong guy that's that's tough now. He's He's got some skills. Like, he's obviously very heavy on top and has good ground and pound. So, like you said, I was very impressed. And Middleweights can you we, we need more like, you know, top, you know, from number eleven to number thirty. We need to 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 have those type of middleweights. It just seems like that division's either, you know, so top heavy and there's not many people that move up the rankings, uh, sort of speak. It's it's usually a quick ascent right up there. So it's been nice to see him progress. It's it, it, gotta give him a ranked guy next. Um, and I think he's he he's proven himself to be somebody to watch for, um, both both in his abilities, but also Great on the mic, represents a part of the world that's not necessarily known for their MMA skills. Mm-hmm. So I think he's a guy that the UFC can uh, build off of, start giving bigger fights to, and if he wins, um, it's promotable. But Vittori, isn't he the guy that, that tried to fight in a hotel in, in, in Jacksonville? Yeah. Too? I mean, even that, like, you know, say that there was 50% of that that was real and 50% that he knew what he was doing. Yeah. Guy sold the fight. I mean, otherwise, this would have been. I'm not sure that they could have made this the co-main event. Um, if if not, I know this card wasn't the best, but I think that it definitely elevated the the fight in people's minds. People wanted to see this matchup before it was even rebooked. So good on him. He knows how to he knows how to promote a fight. He knows how to finish a fight. Yeah, I mean, if, if uh, Masvidal can clap up uh, Leon Edwards or whoever it was that he fought backstage and make news, I mean, why not? Why not someone else? Right. Hundred <laughs> percent, man. That's it right there. Yeah, I mean, for me, it, it became a fight that I wanted to watch before it would have been a kind of a prelim that would have kind of got mixed in it, uh, you know, and lost probably in the card. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the rankings. Uh, I know that before all this started, there was a rumor of uh, – I don't even see him ranked anymore. But uh, it was a rumor that it was going to be Romero and uh, I think Weidman was even floating around uh, as a rumor. And now I'm seeing Romero, maybe Hall – getting getting some whispers right now uh, i think weidman vittori makes a lot of sense uh it would be a fight where you know if vittori seems to have his best su- success on the ground uh a fight with like weidman who he would have trouble taking down um but yeah. they probably would be pretty equal on the on the feet i think that that might be a a, a fight to to work but uh, i don't even see weidman ranked anymore i thought he was still ranked but uh yeah he just got booked today too actually 
against Amari really? uh, Akhmadov. So uh, oh, it's kind go. of a, it's a big step, you know, uh, not a name that we're used to seeing fight Chris Weidman, but uh, that's in, on, in August. So, uh, you know, who knows? I don't know how, when Vittori's looking to come back, but I like that matchup. I mean, if Weidman were to, to go out there and beat Akhmadov, get a little steam under him, you know, kind of erase people's recent memory, uh, at yeah. least a little bit, I would be down for that fight. It would, yeah. it would be a good, you know, co-headline or something on the a fight. The names night. I see are Tavares and Carlos Jr., uh, both mm. would, would around him that would be a good fight. So yeah, uh, so, for sure. So is, is there any steam or smoke that you're seeing to the uh, Romero Hall? I saw that uh, Ariel Hawani. Oh yeah, that was just before we went live. Yeah, um, yeah. So that- it looks like um, Mike Bond, Mike, you know, my coworker at MMA Junkie, just also confirmed that that's that's the fight that's in the works. So kind of interesting there. Uh, obviously, Hall was supposed to fight Jacare, and that fell off. So um, moving up in the rankings. Yeah, I, I I don't know if I don't know how I feel about that fight actually. I mean, I and this I, might be an example of what we were talking about earlier, where yeah, the UFC's like, who's available out of the top fifteen? You know, yeah. oh, you two, boom. Yeah, you got your you got your mouthpiece. You got your cup. Come come fight. Yeah, yeah exactly. No, I, I I hear that, man. So I mean, I mean, anyway, with uh, never mind about about like that far ahead. I mean, we got we got fights this weekend again. Um, I don't Rocky know if. I honestly, I honestly don't know like how to uh, keep up. I mean, I know you're pretty good at it, but uh, I mean, maybe it's me and my age, <laughs> but I, I can't. I'm finding I'm having trouble keeping up. I mean, but that's a good thing, right? I mean, the Blades versus Volkov uh, at the Apex again. So, I mean, what do you, what yeah. are your, what are your thoughts on what to look forward to, especially since you're off the clock and you get to watch them for fun? Yeah, it's gonna be nice to kick back and relax. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> you know, at midnight, if I sign on and try to relieve the the stressed out workers or not, but yeah, I mean, blades versus Volkov is definitely more of a main event vibe than we got last week. Um, you know, B- blades, uh, top contender in this division Volkov, if he hadn't, uh, let his guard down against Derek Lewis for, you know, the last eight seconds of that, or the last 15 seconds of that fight, he would be on an eight fight win streak right now. So that's a banger. You got the co-main event, which might arguably be the best fight on the card. Josh Emmett, Shane Burgos. Oh, yeah banger that's a great fight yeah. Cal Penny to marry Renault uh, another one you know contendership there uh looks like they got the Tiger Shulman boys in the house <laughs> yeah that's a great <laughs> fight too you know yeah. style ex- excitement wise on paper that should be a lot of fun below Muhammad Lyman good Roosevelt Roberts making a quick turnaround once again um just fought a couple weeks ago fighting Jim Miller huh so I mean that's a solid main card um, yeah. I don't know maybe I'm just a little biased because of what the product was last week on paper but there's, you know, at least the, the Muhammad fight and the co-main, those are, those are high action matchups on paper and, and every fight's pretty meaningful. So that, that's kind of, uh, at least on the main card, that's my take for, for this one. No, I think it's a, I think it's a good fight night card. You know, I think that this is what we should be getting yeah. more. You know, I, I, I even like, I think, you know, Bobby Green can be hit or miss, but I think Clay Guida, Bobby Green has potential for a really good fight too. Um, Tisha Torres, uh, Brianna Van Buren. Uh, who's who's you know won the the Invicta Rising uh, or Phoenix Rising tournament uh, and then and then won her UFC debut uh, you know against Torres who's who's always up there you know I mean you know a lot of a lot of female fights on the card Roxanne Matafari Lauren Murphy mm-hmm. uh, Jillian Robertson a lot of the uh, you know they're towards the the prelims but Frivola uh, Camacho is going to be a banger that's a good yeah. fight. Yeah, I didn't yeah. even know Camacho was on this card. I'm just seeing that now. Oh, it's it's good. Oh, I mean, this guy, this guy's uh, new. They just signed him to fight. Yeah, right? keep an eye on him. He's 
Max? He's one of the more highly touted prospects uh, in my book that I've seen in a while. Um, I actually did a piece at the beginning of this this year that was 20 fighters that I think will be stars in the 20s. And there were two fighters that weren't in the UFC or Bellator that I put on that list. He was one of them. So Max Roshkoff is uh, an NC State wrestler, crazy jiu-jitsu practitioner. He's pulled off some really weird modified chokes for Titan final fight championship. Uh, he's only got five pro fights, so a little earlier than we're used to with, with, with some of the UFC signings, but uh, definitely a name to watch. Good interview. Young kid. You know, I say that as somebody that's 25, but young, <laughs> young, young guy. And uh, I think fans will be well acquainted with him after his first few fights in the UFC. Getting back to the main event. Um, I'm a Volkov fan, have been since the early Bellator days. Uh, and, and he's a Russian fighter who I've said I root for 99% of the time. Uh, <laughs> however, I don't see any way that that fight, he doesn't get put on his back by blades and basically beat up. Um, I mean, that's kind of, if you're going to beat Volkov, that's how you would do it. Um, and, and I think blades just after we see, you know, what he did to, you know, on the ground to Justin Willis and, and, uh, Overeem. And I mean, everybody's basically been able to take down anybody other than Naganu. I mean, those are his, those are his two losses. Um, do you see any other way that that fight? I mean, short of getting caught with a, a jab or something on the way in, do you any anything any way you see that fight unfolding other than Blades taking him down and and beating him up for the majority of the fight? You know, I'd like to tell you that I have some type of apt analysis and and some <laughs> type of plan B, but I honestly think that, like you said, I think Blades is is just going to power him, take him down, and beat him up, and that's really. Th- the recipe, in my opinion, unless you're Derek Lewis and want to throw, you know, a, a haymaker at the end of the fight, a Hail Mary, that's that's the way you got to beat him. So it's right up. It's right in Blade's wheelhouse. He's looked so good recently with the exception of the Nganu loss. And uh, yeah, I, I just expect Volkov to, to be, you know, having some issues off his back. I mean, maybe if this goes to the later rounds, who knows? Volkov has decent cardio. It's not like he's a guy that's going to gas after, you know, 10 minutes. Um, we've seen him use it against Stefan Struve um, and other fighters too, Greg Hardy. So it'll be interesting, man. I just, I just don't know. I don't think he's going to be able to stop those takedowns, and that's that's really the X factor in this fight. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have a take on it. I, I haven't looked at the card and done my homework the way I usually do for the pay per views. But um, again, because it just, it's just, it's been a bit much for me. I mean, if you're going by the UFC stats, which Matt has already verified are, are mostly inaccurate most of the time, but uh, <laughs> but um. Uh, you know, if you're looking at the numbers on their website here that we have up on the screen, I mean, it looks like like uh, it looks like things would favor Volkov, but I can't help but I can't help but agree with Matt that I, I think Blades just might be a bit much for him. Um, I'm uh, talking about uh, you with the Max from that the prelim fighter. I know he's the first fight in the card, but I just shared some some of his uh, wrestling highlights on Twitter, like Sunday or whatever it was when when uh, when this card was starting to get hyped up. I mean, and he does like a he does a weird uh, he pins a guy by like sitting on him, <laughs> kind of <laughs> like kind of like uh, I saw uh, that. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, the the, the guys, I, I think we're gonna see some real nice scrambles in that fight. Um, the, the the comparing it like we we said with last weekend, I don't know. I mean, there was a lot of finishes last weekend, but that card got didn't wasn't really loved by fans. I was just wondering. I mean, uh, I mean, Matt, Matt and I talked about it enough last week but uh since you're here uh what's what what's your take on uh i feel when cards don't get love like that they wind up being better than expected most of the time 
Yeah. Um, but what's your take on 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 folks that that knock cards uh, when they when they don't seem like they're uh, much to look at? I'm I'm pretty middle of the road because I understand like the 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 fans want to have the best product from the UFC. They want to see names that they know, matchups that they excite them, et cetera, et cetera. So I do recognize when there's a Conor McGregor fight going on, if it's a <laughs> B fight yeah. entertainment wise, it's going to seem like an A fight. It's just the way mm-hmm. it is with the names and everything and the skill levels, whatever. But I also recognize that you can't judge a book by its cover. You know, if the fight, it, it, like the card last weekend exceeded my expectations. So it seemed yeah. better to me. You know, I didn't, I, on paper, I was like, oh, you know, it's whatever. There's some exciting matchups. There were some very exciting finishes right off the bat. So for me, I feel like I at least got my money's worth a little bit like for, for what it was. Um, you know, it, it's, it's I, I don't like to say every time the UFC puts on a bad card, it's good. Because I think that sets a bad precedent. It's kind of dangerous to be like, oh, you know, if the UFC gives me a, a D plus product or, you know, a lot of fighters that we are, are on the verge of getting cut or whatever, and that's the entire card. I don't, I don't want that to be the norm, but they get squeezed in situations where they need to fill cards and that's what they come up with. And the fighters go out there and they perform. I can't really knock the parties involved. I'll tell you, they don't have the, the biggest implications, the fights, but at the same time, you know, the promotion did what they could especially in these times and, and the fighters certainly did what they could. So no disrespect to them and all props. Yeah. I mean, I, I I've said it before and I'll, I'll say it again. I think that the confusion becomes the fight card is the list of names on paper. The fights are what unfolded. Bingo. So the fight card sucked. It still sucks, <laughs> but the fights were entertaining and, and, and good from top to bottom. Um, I also think that UFC gets a pass or any organization gets a pass when it's just a just for TV event. Um, when when paying customers are paying for a UFC event, like if this event was like in Fresno or something, tickets go on sale. They don't have a main event yet. All you're yep. doing is hearing a couple rumored names floating around. If this is the final product after you've spent three hundred dollars on a cage side seat in Fresno, you got screwed. You got hosed by the UFC. Um, when there's no crowd, when there's no tickets, there's no nobody's hurt. It's just a free event on ESPN. I'm all for it. I wish they would have a card like that Monday through Friday, you know, every night of the week. That, it, it, but essentially, it's UFC KOTC. I mean, it, that's or, or Titan Titan UFC. I mean, that's basically what a card like this is. And if you're a hardcore fan, you you'd argue, well, this is why we're we're saturated in UFC. It, we these fights should be headlining all these other events. Well, those events don't exist right now during the pandemic. So yeah. I had no problem with it. I enjoyed it. Um, I was going to get to Th- Cynthia Calvillo, somebody I kind of underestimate. She came in, we got real hyped, um, missed weight a couple times, had a had a real close loss uh, at a fight I was at against um carla esparza i think it was in phoenix um but other than that i mean i looking at a record i didn't realize that that was like her only her only setback uh you know she goes up in weight and then dominates the number one contender at at uh at flyweight although some might argue jessica i maybe isn't necessarily the number one contender just she she got the title fight she won her next fight so she kept she kept the ranking she's on submission um, underground this weekend Oh, well, keep busy then. Good for her. I mean, I just I was impressed by Calvillo. Uh, I, I I think uh, I think she's too small for Shevchenko or the you know the bigger uh, flyweights, but uh, she's marketable and and if she can 
make weight and avoid any kind of stupid suspension for weed or, you know, stuff like that. I think, uh, I think she's, she's got potential, especially if you start seeing like, uh, if Shevchenko were to move up to 135 uh, with the rumor of kind of Nunes maybe taking some time off, we might, we might see a shift and I, I could see her uh, working her way towards the top of uh, some events here. Well, more importantly, Nolan, uh, the question I have for you is, have you made it to Trillium? And is that what's on tap for, for Saturday when you're sitting down watching the fights? I have been to Trillium. I went the, the first day that they <laughs> opened. It was phenomenal. They're actually, uh, I went to three breweries in a row, did a little like tour type, you know, Massachusetts brew tour, unofficial brew tour. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was it was great. And um, they had probably the best system on anyone. You scan the table. They have like a, a QR code scan it order what you want pay for it right on there and they just bring it over so you don't have to call for a waitress or a waiter or anything so it was it was very it was great you know and that's um, amazing yeah <laughs> I it, love was, that. it, was, it was very good stayed yeah. you know, a nice social distance activity and uh yeah i love i love me some trillium but no unfortunately i'm going up to unfortunately i'm going up to maine uh on saturday <laughs> so i'll be sitting by the lake uh my, my buddy's place um maybe watching some uh watching some fights on my phone or in the car going to portland or something but yeah no man you gotta get this man knows his beer (laughs) (laughs) no you gotta get out i'm going camping again next weekend i'm i'm like gotta do something i can't sit around i gotta gotta find somewhere to to get away from it's important you know that was probably the the first day in forever that i actually you know i had my days off i have two days off a week just like everyone else that was the first day i've actually unplugged from the mma world for a while from twitter you know i tweeted out a picture but that was really it and I think it was just so, even though I love my job, I love MMA. I can't stop checking my phone for news or whatever. So nice to, to have a day off and just veg out and relax and not have to worry about anything. Um, so we need those type of activities, whether it's being an alcoholic or, you know, like myself or uh, doing something outdoors and, and actually productive like Matt. Not too productive. There's a lot of alcohol yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it, with it, with everything going on, man, it, like you said, it was nice. I got out there, and initially, my plan was to try to watch the fights on uh, Saturday night. Last time I went camping, this was a week or two ago, and we could with the reception. Wasn't he blew good me enough. off. He was supposed to be yeah, doing that's this right. podcast. That's right. We, we had a fighter come on and fill in for him, <laughs> Shamir Peshewa. But I was like, you know what, man, go have your fun because I I get it too, man. I mean. I mean, you got well. I mean, you, you, you Boston's a fun. I mean, Mass. Uh, you're you're not in Boston. Where are you again, Nolan? I forget. I'm in Somerville, so that's like uh, a couple towns outside of Boston. A couple, yeah, the but there's, there's fun stuff to do there. I mean, Jersey's 100%. the worst. New Jersey's horrible. So like, I have to go to New York, New York to have fun, and New York is the epicenter of everything wrong here. So. Or yeah. Trillium, then. There you go. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. Do you, do you, like me, me and Ed live alone. Do you do you live alone or do you have a roommate or? No. So uh, a couple of my buddies from high school, um, you know, work jobs in Boston. And uh, so I moved in with them. So it's, uh, it's me, two of my friends from high school and then one of their roommates from college. So there's four of us in a, in a, cool. in this apartment. We all have our, you know, different bedrooms and stuff. And it's not yeah. like, you know, I'm living in a dorm or anything, but no, um, but you are around yeah. people during this. Me and Ed, we're going crazy sitting around here going, I mean, we're trying to live by the quarantine, do the right yeah. things. And we're going, son of a bitch. I need to get out and, you know, I got to go see <laughs> <I> said, somebody. <laughs> yeah. I said, I was probably the only person that social life Monday through Friday increased during the <laughs> pandemic because yeah. I went from working in my house by myself for, you know, being here for whatever, 
12 hours by myself to like, there's people here all the time now. So, uh, <laughs> I've won up. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I, uh, personally, I, I didn't realize how big a part of my life jujitsu was that how much of it is like my social life was jujitsu. And then when I couldn't do it for all that time, you know, the first time I saw everybody was when we had to break down the shit at my Academy and move it all out. Yeah. You know, uh, we all gathered there for that, but that was kind of the thing that I was just like, you know what? F this. Where are we rolling? And then uh, so now I'm back with my my training partners again. And and uh, I mean we have a tentative reopening July 20th in a new better location. So this I'm hoping for everyone this could all be a blessing in disguise. Despite yeah. I know some people lost people and stuff like that, but I mean you know you know we gotta uh, we gotta keep moving forward. And uh, speaking of moving forward, Matt, I mean if you want to take us out, we only have a few minutes left of the uh, combat hour. So. Thanks for joining us, Nolan. Uh, check out Nolan King at MMA at MMA underscore Kings on uh, on Twitter. Uh, check him out at MMAJunkie.com. dot uh, You can follow us at Combat Hour on Twitter, Coast to Coast Combat Hour on Instagram. Follow myself, Matt Hawkins at MMA Hawk twenty one on Twitter and Instagram. Follow Ed at Carbazal on Twitter at Carbeerzal on Instagram. And now you can see our podcast. Uh, with one of our new supporters uh, at allaccessmma.com. Uh, site's new, uh, so he's, he's working on some uh, bugs there, but uh, soon uh, our, uh, our our podcast videos and, and audio should all be available there. So yeah, uh, check him out, support that website, support our podcast. Thanks, Nolan. Good talking to you, Ed. Uh, hopefully we get a heavyweight banger this weekend we can talk about next week. Yeah, man. And Nolan, I don't know if you had anything else you're, you're allowed to plug or work on, but I mean, did you have anything you got, you got us to be all silent or, or is it just, no, no. You? <laughs> just, just check out uh junkie. My, you know, the, 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 the wheels are still spinning, even though I'm not there, you know, maybe a wheel disappears every once in a while and has to reappear in, in a few days, but they're still killing it. We still, uh, Farah Hennoon, my coworkers killing in the breaking news, Mike Bond doing a ton of interviews, uh, and the rest of the staff doing their thing too. So Stay tuned to the coverage on Junkie, and uh, I'll be back with my own stuff. Uh, you know, come come Sunday, come Saturday at midnight. I'm back. <laughs> All right, don't 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 show up drunk to work. All right, no, peace. No, no. <laughs> peace. Have a good one, guys. Thanks, guys. Hey guys, Ed here, East Coast side of the Coast to Coast Combat Hour podcast. If you like what we're doing, make sure you subscribe on YouTube and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Also, if you'd like to help us out and donate, uh, the support links are in any of the uh, podcast descriptions. And in some the links are also provided on our YouTube channel, The Blogboard Jungle. Um, thanks again for listening. And if you give us some support, we'll give you a shout out on the podcast. Maybe uh, bring you on for a UFC pay-per-view breakdown or two. Thanks again.